Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. And let me remind you that starting, I think it's already started, uh, we all have to dial that 707 now to get our phones um, to go through to any uh, designation. You can't, you got to do all the numbers now, how many of there are. So I want to introduce my guest today. I have a special guest, or I can new new friend, I hope, Kyle Farmer. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to the Hi, end. Karen. Shout out to yeah, so th- where Kyle comes into this whole thing is I've been actually watching Kyle on Zoom meetings because Kyle has been the chair of the redistricting committee. That's for redistrict, for checking out the districts for the dip- district supervisors. Um, what happens every 10 years is that we have a census, which we had in 2020. The numbers come out. And then by federal law, we have to have pretty much equal population in each district. And that's not, that's, that's population. Uh, there was a misstatement on Monday on the uh, Hispanic show, uh, Spanish speaking show that said that it was just adults. It is not. That's the census and the census includes the kids and all that good stuff. So the, they take those numbers. They decide what the median number is, and then what has to happen is each district, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, has to have within, well, it has to have a pretty good, uh, close, have to have similar numbers. I talked about this last time when I had John Haschek on, but we want to re-educate everybody on this. So, um, what happened is the census came out really, really late this year. Um, normally, this committee or the supervisors would have had at least six months to deal with these and see what has to be adjusted and all of that. Well, we got slammed, folks. This committee didn't even get put to place because the numbers weren't even in out yet from the census. So the committee, the Board of Supervisors, decided they wanted to create a committee, which they've done in the past. I will confess, I've been through, I counted it, five, <laughs> five, count them, five redistricting events. Um, so they, Board of Supervisors voted to put together a committee, which meant that each supervisor uh, put up a name for one person from each one of their districts, and they've compiled, compiled, compiled a committee of five people, one from each district. This just happened September 1st. Now... The feds, this is the federal government, says you all have to have this done by the 15th of December. That makes it really fast. So um, I am now introducing Kyle Farmer. He was the chair of this committee. He, I watched him on Zoom meetings. He was very effective. It went very well. And we're going to talk about the process, what happened, and what's happening next. Because yesterday, the supervisors were prevent, presented with two maps that this committee recommended and they actually looked at the maps had a lot of discussion and moved a map forward because this is going to come down really fast they've got like two weeks a little less than three weeks to do this so kyle that was a quick introduction i think we got everybody Yeah. yeah okay um yeah make sure you speak into your microphone there um yeah so you stepped up you're from the first district that, that's Glenn McGordy's district. You stepped up. Um, whatever possessed you to step up and do this, I'm thankful that you did because you did a great job of leading this group. So uh, give us a little history. Why did you step up and do it, and 
how did that all happen? Well, you know, Glenn gave me a call and asked me about it, and he'd asked me to do a couple of other things that I had said no to, and I figured I had to say yes to something before I had to say yes to something even bigger. Um, I liked that it was sort of a constrained time period rather than volunteering for something that was going to, um, you know, kind of go on a perpetuity because uh, it was something that I could kind of suffer through and then get to the other side of. I have two very young children, and one people thing people might not know about a lot of those meetings is right on the other side of the screen. My wife was having to put both of our kids uh, to bed by herself, which is not usually how we do things. And she was, I mean, and my kids too were all just really uh, uh, great about accommodating uh, this little experiment. Um, I also just wanted to see, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I studied international relations in college um, and lived in DC for a few years, but very internationally focused. And um, I actually left that career path because I, I came to believe that the local level was more important and actually the pathway out of most of our problems. And so um, getting involved in, in, in more ways is something that's been in the back of my mind for a while. But I, you know, at this at this point, I've been here for eight years and, um, you know, I'm starting to kind of understand things enough to to maybe stick my toe in the water like that. All right, so let's. So you're from the first district, um, and then I have the names of the other committee members. I couldn't figure out what districts they're from. So there's Paula Cohen. She was from. Yes, she was from the fifth. Fifth district. Oh, my district. Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, Peter uh, McNamee. McNamee. McNamee is in Mac- the fourth. He lives in Fort Bragg. Okay, and D. Paulson. She lives in Ukiah. Okay, that'd be the second district, and Mary uh, Zaid. Zaid. Yeah. I'm not here. You know, you're making me wonder. I feel does what you was so passionate about the West Hills. I'm wondering if she lives in the fifth now that I think about it. But she's she was sort of she's tuned into Ukiah, but I think she might have just and where's had that in her in her head. So and, anyway, and Mary, you have to call it, reach out to D. Maybe she'll call in. Yeah, and Mary, and Mary, Mary Mary's in the third. Mary's in the third. All right. Well, I know because I've watched these district uh, change a bit over time, and usually the numbers aren't that off, so they don't have to do major changes. So the numbers that we got through, oh, and then the other thing, I just before we go back, let's get all the players on the table. Um, the key person that I saw that you guys, that the committee and the supervisors could not have done this without was Lee Farr. And he's, oh, man. yeah, he's a county employee, and you told me it, and I just spaced it. His his initial his uh, letters after his name are G I S, and that's Geographic Dan- Information Systems. Right. So this man, I mean, got, shout out to Leaf. I've never met him, but shout out to Leaf because he could sit there with his computer, and as you guys were moving lines around in your meetings, he could ab- he was able to shift it, and pull up the numbers immediately. Mm-hmm. which really was fantastic to see happen. He did it yesterday in the board meeting, too. So, um, Yeah, and he does it all with so, so much humility and, and, and such clear uh, intent towards his professional position without political motivations of any sort. He's really just there to sort of uh, enact the, the sort of what the rest of the people around him are trying to make happen. It's really a gift. Yeah, he just... Um, that's one of the things that made it work so well. It did, and he had he had all the um, tools to do it. He had all the tools right there for mm-hmm. you to do it. So I know you started with 
the numbers, so I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that the county's population had increased by 3,783 um people the census did Mm -hmm. that so that makes the districts if they were all even to be 18,325 as each district was the same Um, what I gathered through all the the discussions and all the meetings I watched is that the fourth district which is Dan Jurdy's district was uh, very low on population compared to the fourth district which had gone up so there was a big inequality there so the the other the other way around the fourth had oh, the gone fourth down was? and the third had gone up. The fourth being oh okay the, the coastal. So I'm sorry I, I flipped them. North coast. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I flipped them. Okay, so the fourth district is Dan Jurdy's district that had gone down and the inland had mm-hmm. gone up. Uh, it'd be interesting to go back and find figure out why that is maybe <laughs> because uh, it's got the town of Fort Bragg and I see the town of Fort Bragg expanding. So and any, keep in mind, these, these are census numbers, so there's also yeah. there's, there's aspects to that that can also, um, you know, change the way the numbers appear. So That's true. But it is, it, is, it is an important question, I think. Well, it, yeah, and I think part of it for me is, um, do you have a lot of seniors retiring, leaving the coast, which I see in Anderson Valley, and a lot of those houses are going into Airbnbs and stuff where you don't have a census. There's nobody there permanent to do it. So th- those are the kind of things that pop up in my weird political brain. Okay, but oh yeah, that's, that's another that's story. The funny thing, right, is that we we have we we have the appearance at the federal level, the appearance of these incredibly precise numbers, but where you can actually make the difference where we could really utilize some of that data, we tend to be kind of starved for good data. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. So the big issue was trying to balance out these numbers for these districts. And then you have this overarching um, criteria that the federal government's mandates require. And you have, uh, so part of that is that there can't be more than a 10% difference between the least populated and the most populated district, correct? That's right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And really, it's, it's, if, people, if people watched those Zoom sessions, I think it was kind of interesting. I mean, they, they were learning this right alongside me, at least. I mean, some of the other members, I think, had some background experience watching other redistrictings. But I, I was completely clueless walking, in, walking into this. So uh, I hope people enjoyed, um, you know, kind of <laughs> coming along for that journey. Well, the, well uh, had, had some of the other members, four members, had any of them worked on redistricting before that you know of? I think Pete, maybe. Um, Pete, Pete, but not in the capacity of the commissioner, which also is a relatively new phenomenon. Um, but I know that he had he had definitely um, been paying attention closely in the past. I think Paula had been paying pretty close attention in the past. Okay. You know, everybody who volunteered, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a random jury selection from the county or something. There's a certain amount of political interest there. Yeah, they did have some interest in that. So the state mandated, or the feds, excuse me, I keep wanting to go back to the feds mandated. So the the priorities, I've got a list of priorities here. First off is the numbers. First off is the population numbers. you got to keep those pretty consistent and not too far out. Uh, then you want to um, keep... They were talking about minority concentration. You got to look at the minority population and make sure you're not segregating the minority into one um, 
district or something like that. And that and that's something we, we did kind of skip skip a little bit, acknowledging um, Charlotte uh, County Council and Sherry, the the clerk, and Dylan was was very involved as well. And Charlotte was there to remind us um, when we would get kind of too into the weeds on some of the demographic numbers. It is really not the demographic numbers that we're looking at at this point, but the community of interest. And where those demographic numbers really kind of get triggered to become a key part of the process is if there is the potential for a minority majority or majority minority district. Um, and we did not, there was not that potential in our case. And so it was not supposed to be a primary criteria. Um, at some point in the future, likely that will um, become one of the main um, uh, considerations for redistricting. Oh, interesting. But, where do you see that happening, actually? As the, as the Latino population grows, oh, at some okay. point, there will be that potentiality. Okay. And then, um, so you want the, so the other, so the other part of it is the contiguousness of the districts. Uh, they have to be contiguous. They can't like have one that's wrapped by a circle and a, some of the other odd districts I've seen in other states and areas that get yeah. pretty out there. Um, the ones that get shaped like a salamander, right? Yeah, or just a Christmas tree or something, you know, a Christmas tree, but a mm-hmm. yeah, wild oak tree. So you've got your continuity, you've got your community of interest and neighborhoods. You try to keep those as, as, um, as you know, close as possible. Then you've got your geographic integrity of not separating cities, like you don't want to split... Um, Hopland in half. You don't want to split Ukiah in half. Um, and, and in that case, those are the census-designated places that have actually been defined for us um, through the census process. So, you know, there's Laytonville as a census-designated place is different than Layton understood and appreciated by the people who live there. So that that particular one is different. That that to me would have been a non-starter if we would have kind of started poking into what is perceived, what is actually officially a census designated place can you know i heard that term a bit can you just maybe clarify what that i i that was a new thing for me to see that there's census designated areas did you capture what that meant yeah so i i think to get to get a little bit into the weeds with what leaf does the what what geographic information systems are are sort of layered mapping tools and so you can take all these different layers and put them on top, and then you can actually do incredible things in terms of understanding how those layers interact with each other. Um, so one of the first things we did that I requested, and Dee backed me up on, and I think everybody ended up appreciating, was we added a watershed layer to the map. And that made it just incredibly easy to just overlay the watershed in the way we were thinking about things. So if you were you know, a few census parcels from including a watershed, as your perimeter, why not? You know, we also created map three, which I think was pretty fun. Um, another thing that made the process go really well is we didn't argue about trying out things because Leaf was able to do them so quickly. Why not just see what would happen if we did it that way? Yeah. And so that kind of kept the debate from going too far. So draft three is is sort of an imagination of what a watershed-based redistricting would look like, and it didn't work. We had a 35.36 percent deviation um but that's where that gis can layer these things on top of themselves and allow you to see the world um 
you know, from from space in a way that can lead you to some really interesting ideas that you might not have understood if you were looking at it from, you know, street level ground view. I think that's that's called having the 30,000 foot perspective. Yeah. And so the census designated places are simply a layer on that map that show at some point, some technocrat drew these shapes that are sort of this is the core census designated place. Um, if, If it if there isn't, if there hasn't been the more complicated process of, uh, of actually a city defining its boundaries through annexation and so on and forth, so on and so forth. And cons- since this designated place is somebody, yeah. somebody like somewhere, someplace kind of looked at the map and said, eh, this looks like the right shape to be the. Yeah, it's, it, because place. we've only got five cities in the whole county, so that mm-hmm. that makes it harder. So let me just take a moment to say you are listening to KZUX and Z. I am Karen Audubonny. This is the TKO Show. And on the air with me is Kyle Farmer. He was the chair. Is I, have they, Did they disband the committee? No, I don't think it's disbanded yet. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't because we got to do that in person. We got to we got to get. Oh get yeah, a that's a whole other story. That way. Anyway, Leaf has been the chair of the redistricting uh, committee that's been working with the mapping and what we're going to do to balance out the districts and all of that. And this actually went before the board yesterday. It was a very smooth process. Um, so. Let me just jump back about some of the maps you've done. If you feel, if you want, to, folks want to go see, there ended up being twelve maps. The final mappage, there was twelve of them. One of them I found, the one I found fascinating was the watershed one because everybody's talked about, oh, watershed, watershed. We can't do it with the numbers, because to be honest, we've got a lot of land, a lot of different watersheds, but a lot not a lot of people in some of these more remote areas. So um, there were some big changes, I will say. I think the last big change that I witnessed was over 20 years ago when Hopland was put into the 5th District. So that actually got pulled back out and put into the 1st District this time. Um, And then to expand north to get the 3rd and the 4th balanced out, they expanded the fourth district up to Bell Springs and kind of wrapped it around up there. So that's a new new one. Um, Laytonville did stay in John Hashek's district, the third. Um, you were actually able to have a community meeting there, correct? Did you you went up for that? I believe. I I, I went up digitally. I did not okay. go up in person. And an interesting thing about the Brown Act there is that that actually um, Mary participated, who is the logical person, and then I participated as the chair. Um, but as far as I understood the Brown Act, the whole um, um, uh, redistricting commission could not have gone to that without sort of other uh, things happening ahead of time. A long, long time. They have to give out yeah. notices and really alert everybody. Mm-hmm. Th- this was something that was different this time. Because of the crunch time frame, uh, the committee was not able to do as many in um, in community meetings. I remember the last couple times around, they had extensive in-community, go into the community, find out what the communities wanted. Uh, you guys weren't able to do that this time because of the short time frame. We, COVID did, we did attend MAC meetings. Um, oh, especially oh, okay. in Hopland, and we did we did make sure that we didn't you know if if it had turned out that the right thing to do um, to try to make this thing work would have been to move the line over on the coast that people were really concerned about. Um, if it had been necessary, um, you know, to move the line north and split Casper somehow, I mean it, it, that 
that kind of got perceived as something that was um, imminently possible, but it really never made any sense. And so if it had been so- something that, you know, the, the reason why there was a meeting in Leightonville, for one thing, is that the community got together and made it happen. But also that that was the just b- because of the nature of the census data, the one that was going to be the most sort of adversely affected. Um, and if it had been, I, I know I would have been um, really surprised if we hadn't had a community meeting in Mendocino if that had, if that line wasn't staying where it is. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of discussion about moving the Casper. Right now, the line between the fourth and the fifth up there, going to the coast, is along Russian Gulch. Yeah. Um, and that there's always listen there's always been debate every year it's debated every 10 years it's debated whether to throw casper into the fourth or keep it where it's at so that remained the same there was so a what, lot what of happened there was there was like two letters asking yeah. to move the line north um and in and and this was a very iterative exploratory process and i think people did give us a lot of kind of forgiveness you know you don't get too mad if somebody is kind of um, blindly making mistakes and so that, it wasn't necessarily a mistake. We, we heard from community of interest saying we wanted the, the line moved a little bit north. We, you know, figured out a way to make a map that made that happen because that, that was sort of this iterative, exploratory, community-based process. And quickly, you know, a, a, a much larger number of people said, no, that's not what we want. And so we took the line back. Um, and in the case of the actual town of Mendocino, um, there was a map, a map four that was um, uh, Mary uh, Zaida kind of put together early on this very brainstorm session, like here are all the different things we could do, just an exhaustive list of every possibility. And um, map four was sort of how, like, how do we make a map that then we can workshop Mary's ideas in the next community meeting? And then that, that kind of got perceived as a map that was being seriously put forth which then resulted in a lot of controversy about um, moving Mendocino. Um, yeah, it but it was, is, it, it's, it, there's this sort of game of telephone that happens. That well, there was like, uh, so of the comments that were put in, um, I made a list of them yesterday I, when I was listening to the board meeting. Uh, the line, changing line in Casper got the most comments from the community, like 65 mm-hmm. comments came in. And then moving Leightonville into one of the other districts got the next, and then Hopland, and there was very few comments about Ukiah. So you made interesting points about the Hopland change and the Bell Springs area change, about how one was kind of a evolution of what the community wanted and the other one was a had to happen because of the numbers you said it much more better than you said it much better than i did so i'm gonna let you say that explain what happened there would you Kyle? yeah so if if you kind of look at the evolution of the maps the the first map that leaf put out you know we needed to get get started somewhere um sorry my cat is sitting on the map um is draft one and that was by far sort of the simplest in terms of how much the lines moved. And in that one, Leightonville simply moved from the fourth to the third. Um, it's important to, to remember that we really aren't talking about individual personalities, individual supervisors, um, but more the communities of interest and then people's, per- I guess, perceived ways in which the particular maps are going to affect politics moving into the future, not at a, not at a sort of a the way we usually talk about politics, but in more of a Mendocino version of politics that I, I think would be an interesting thing to explore more. Um, but, you know, and Leightonville moving, even though that meant that, um, you know, more of the third stayed in the third, 
um, because of the sort of nature of the way that people assemble, because Harwood Hall would have moved, um, was actually uh, perceived by the communities of interest that we were um, hearing from as less desirable than what we kind of evolved into with, with draft map 10 that actually moved the same number of people moved the line a little more also started getting a little more sort of second order thinking and moving the line a little bit south between the fourth and the fifth and then accommodating the the, the problem with the third being too big by moving the first up which i would have never even thought of doing but but leaf was able to perceive that opportunity and actually um, there are some benefits to that just in the way that our road networks interact with our, you know, hilltops and the way we can, you know, maybe go a certain way part of the year and not a way the other part of the year. Um, and so there are aspects to the, of, of that area that are actually more difficult to, to, to um, interact with if you're in the third. Um, but so that we received a lot of letters from Leightonville and the first map that tried to, let's say, just 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 try to do let's let's just try to keep Leightonville in the third um was draft map two and that kind of created this tortured line that really i, I was i called it in the meeting like a pac-man type dynamic um and so i asked leaf that if you're going to try to keep Leightonville, is that as good as we can do because at that point that map then made it so far east in the north section that it split round valley tribes and oh. and even though we weren't we weren't hearing from communities of interest up there there was enough sort of you know there's no way we're going to do that so once we retreated that line back west again that's when leaf got even more creative and created this sort of second way of thinking where we moved um the line uh, between fourth and fifth south a little bit and that now is at big river um and once again, sometimes this is based on um, a lot of uh, communication from the community. And sometimes we have to just kind of think about it rationally and say, you know, how many bridges are over Big River? You know, when people leave, um, which way do they go? What is the evacuation route going to look like? Which I think was an interesting um, draft map 11 had something like a 60% deviation. Um, but I really wanted to give that one attention because it was coming from um, some volunteer fire department chiefs. I'm a volunteer firefighter, so they really kind of spoke my language. And um, but that one, you know, didn't didn't end up working at all from a numbers perspective. But those are so, you know evacuation routes, communities. Of, you know, how how do you kind of understand these things, um, especially when you're having to make those uh, uh, sort of accommodations that are that are impossible to be win win wins, right? <coughs> Yeah, that's true. But um, it was it was fascinating to watch for me because I into this and I try to relate it to my listeners is that it was fascinating to watch the progression of the maps and the different things you did throw out. I mean, way before you were around here, there was a lot many, many years ago, there was a whole idea that um, just take the county and have it chopped uh, horizontally across the county if you're looking at the map so that each district had some inland had had some coastal instead of having just the two coastal districts that was mm -hmm. many years ago they actually looked at that it's just making it a strip across the county so that that way each supervisor had inland issues and had coastal issues of course that didn't happen but that was one of those like looking at the watershed type of thing you know to see how it happens so um so then what was what was your opinion on that back then 
Oh, you know, I wasn't as political. I was political. I just watched it. I was just, it was one of those things. It wasn't going to happen because you can't just do it with the numbers. You just can't do it with the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, The district that I found fascinating, and there wasn't, there was some discussion, but it didn't seem as much community discussion about it, is the second district. Because the second district, if you were to just take it, that second district is Ukiah, folks, just to let you know. If you take the city of Ukiah, fifth district comes way down on the West Hills in Ukiah, less now with this new map. And then and it wraps around the southern end, and the, you know District One comes down on the east side of it, and then you've got it. You really push into the city, to the what you would call the severe of interest of Ukiah, um, and that was a real difficult one to do because it is the most populated area. But you couldn't have those numbers because it makes the skew way past the 10% that you can from your most and your least. So um, the districts had to move into the north area of Ukiah, Lover's Lane and that. And it was fascinating to watch your committee go block by block and Leaf be able to pull up the numbers of the census for each of those blocks of the you know, what we're looking at in Lover's Lane, all that north area, um, to try to balance out the numbers. So it would be great if you could just do a big second district and include all the area around Ukiah that's, you know, contiguous and community of interest, but there's just no way of doing it. So that really kind of threw a loop in the whole process or made for some interesting discussion. So, Yeah, I mean, I do want to mention that we did not move we didn't, there is no lines that moved and sort of encroached on Ukiah from what Ukiah was before. We actually grew Ukiah um, down to Plant Road in the current map on the south side, and there was a, a like one block or something that was traded uh, between the first and the fifth right. um, in that northern section. And that's where we did, when we were trying to look at that northern section, the only other thing to do um, would have been to then split that neighborhood three ways, which seemed like a terrible idea. Um, but, you know, the, the, I also did, did want to mention, I was just listening to the Minnesota Latino show and um, there, I think I might've said something early on in the meeting about a North South Ukiah concept. And if I did, that was um, sort of, my own, as I was trying to understand this process, understanding that at some point in the future, you could imagine a situation that Ukiah was now, um, you know, two fifths of. That's the problem. They're be, they're not they're not one fifth of the county, but they're also not two fifths of the county. At the point, if if sort of certain ideas about the way we should be, um, you know, focusing on infill and walkable cities and the rest sort of happens and you see Ukiah grow at some point, Ukiah would be two fifths of the population of the, of the County. And you actually could have two districts that, um, are, are Ukiah. Are part of the Ukiah. But, yeah. Significant mm-hmm. downtown. Yeah. The um, area. Yeah. And, well, and, and is that, I think that'll be an interesting moment in which, um, some future uh, redistricting commission or computer algorithm will have to make that choice. It'll all depend on the growth in the county in the next 10 years, yeah. for sure. But for I just sure. wanted to clarify that, that there was never going to be any intentional um, reason to do that, only if it, if it actually achieved the sort of 
Ukiah community of interest being more whole rather than it being kind of like nibbled at from all sides. Yeah, uh, that's that's, that's that's why I mentioned that at some point. I just wanted to. Yeah, Ukiah for me. Game. Ukiah for me, the whole yeah, the Ukiah Valley floor there has always been an interesting one because you have. You have the first district, you have the fifth district, you have them all kind of meshing up against the city limits and and the sphere of influence, I guess you call it, of the Ukiah, city of Ukiah. Um, so let me just say again, you're listening to uh, Karen Audubonny, TKO, and my uh, guest is Kyle Farmer. He was the chair, is the chair of the redistricting committee. They, The committee presented their two maps to the supervisors yesterday. Now we're going to talk about what the supervisors did. They, um, It was fascinating to see the di- questions and the discussions at the supervisors meeting that the supervisors were talking about and asking were similar to the questions and the discussions that you'd actually had at your committee level. I saw a lot of the same thinking process and a lot of trying to weave around things. There was, um, and at yesterday board meeting, the supervisors, of course, have the last word. So they had the opportunity to do whatever they wanted with the lines at that meeting. Um, what did happen yesterday at the meeting was Glenn, Glenn McGordy brought up the concept of um, the line between the 5th and the 1st goes had gone straight pretty much down 101 and then gone slightly to the west to wrap around Hopland to bring in that sphere of influence and community, you know, where does your community go? Um, and Glenn had requested that they that they look at the map and see about bringing the line north of Hopland, moving it to the west, so that the area around the Nelson Ranch there, that we, if you go down 101, know that would be brought into his district. Um, and there's not a there's there's a lot of land in that area. But there weren't a lot of population numbers. I'll just say mm-hmm. that right up. I don't know. What was a difference of 200, I think, maybe, in that area? So what it actually happened was they did move, <clears throat> at, at uh, Glenn McGordy's request, they did move the line north of Hopland slightly to the west so that the area around the Nelson Ranch is now going to be in the 1st District. And then down, and then down to Hopland. And then down to Hopland, right, right. Mm -hmm. So that was the only change that was made yesterday, right? They accepted. They accepted everything else. So that's officially now Map Twelve. Leaf was gonna. Leaf uh, Far was gonna go back today and draw that map out, and then they submitted the next board meeting, which is I think the seventh. Yeah, I don't think they have one before Thanksgiving. Oh no, they they're gonna the eighteenth they approve it. I guess sorry about that. So the eighteenth next week they will be actually officially saying this is the map we want to do and move it through the um, process. Um, so that was the only change that was made at the board meeting yesterday, and that kept the numbers within that ten percent of the the most populated and least populated. Um, but I don't know the final numbers for each district until Leaf actually does that new map. Correct. Mm-hmm. We won't have Correct. that out. Right. So anything else happened yesterday that you want to point out? Except that it went really well, I will say. It went really well. I think I think so, too. I mean, like I, like, like I said, I, I have not uh, paid attention to what it was like 10 years ago, but I do know that there was a lot of... I heard from people that I, I shouldn't even bother because 
they were just going to throw it out and re- redo the map by the time it got to their lap. So yeah, um, I was uh, I was pretty happy to see. Um, I mean, I, I do think that if you just watch those board meetings, um, you know, people were really on the same page. John Haschek is just an amazing job of pointing out to his constituents who are who are you know being um, redistricted in a way that does not in keeping with the letters we were receiving from them. He has done a really good job of sort of explaining um, uh, why this why this is a, is a federally mandated process. And it is, as much as the community of interest dynamics to the democratic process are important, we, we really can't ignore the, the one um, person, one vote dynamics that would happen if you had um, very different sized populations, you know, each in, in, in that case, um, you know, if you have all of Ukiah with one um, person at the table, then that means that that person's attention is divided just that many more times. That's true. And and I will say, um, I, I think I'm the one, John Hasek said, oh yeah, I've heard that they just throw it out in the past. Um, I had had him on the radio two weeks ago, <clears throat> and prior to the show, I said, yeah, in the past, <laughs> they, get a, they get a commission. I've seen this at least two times out of the last four years, maybe more four times, uh, where they put together a commission. The commission works really, really hard. The committee, they present the map, and then the supervisors just tear it apart and throw out what they wanted. That happened last time, for sure. So I was kind yeah. of behind the scenes saying that, oh, God, don't waste your time, guys. No. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I stand corrected. They did a great job. It went really smoothly, and they've got a, a good map. But, again, the everybody up north, North County, up at Spy Rock, Bell Springs, all of that, you it was one of those, the we have our back against the wall with federal mandates and the numbers. There was just no easy way to make those numbers work. Um, I will say, I think the 5th District, my district now has the lowest numbers on the census. It, that's correct? Or was it, aren't we the lowest? Not quite. We, no, 4th District. Changes, those changes still kept it just above the 4th. Just above the 4th. So the 4th <laughs> is the lightest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, in a way, if we see the population of Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg growing and that area up there, maybe the numbers will come up in the next 10 years. So, so we got, oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we should be open to so many things happening in the next 10 years. I mean, even if you look at the, the vacation home question, yes. I mean, I could, I think could very well see with the new remote work situation where somebody has bought a home up, up, up here and has been renting it might say, you know what, now the economy's having some trouble. Am I going to keep my Bay Area place or am I going to keep my, my uh, you know, place on the Mendocino Coast? I'd take the Mendocino Coast place, take it off of vacation rentals and live in it and sell my San Francisco place if I was them. So I don't think we need to assume that any of these trend lines are going to be linear. Um, yeah, and 10 years of growth is like 3,700 people in Mendocino County? Come on. I mean, uh-huh. it, and that's by the census, and we know they don't get accurate, and it's not as accurate as it could be because you don't have a lot of the Hispanic community stepping up. But we've never, all the years I've been in Mendocino County, the growth has not been substantial. I've been here 40 years. I think it was like 60, less than 65, about 65,000 when I moved here. So you're talking 40 years, we've had a growth of, you know, up to 91. I mean, it's hardly mm-hmm. a lot of growth. So, um, so let's go back. What did you learn in the process? What did, what was, what was, what did, I mean, you jumped in and you just kind of jumped in. You had to learn all about this. You learned the feds have a big handle on what happens. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they dictated everything on this, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's, it's, it is interesting to note that we didn't hear from anybody um, actually arguing to be split. Um, and there, there, there is a certain logic to want to have more than one um, supervisor that you can go talk to from within your community. So it really is on the part of the community's um, responsibility, I guess, to voice to this commission um, sort of what their own perception of their best community interest is. So I don't think we should view it too much as a as, as a failure. Um, that in the case of the of the what this redistricting has done, um, future fourth district commissioners are going to have to spend some more time on the road if they want to if they want to be elected. They're going to have to pay more attention. Um, they're going to have to you know maybe even come to some Laytonville meetings. So just like that map that was being described that would have split everything just you know latitudinally. Yeah. Um, I think that was the logic there is that you 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 kind of mix it all up and then everyone has to try to represent everyone. So I guess I really enjoyed the process just from somebody who, like I mentioned, I studied international relations. Um, it's kind of like poli sci, except for you don't assume the American system to be the only one. And so you are learning about varying systems. I mean, in a lot of um, in a lot of democracies, you would handle this whole thing with something like um, draft map three, and then you'd modify the number of representatives per district um, each year. And that's how you would accommodate the one person, one vote um, systems dynamics. And, you know, I think that there's a pretty strong case for that. I mean, now we're, we're talking, you know, passing laws at the federal level, but I, 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 I like to try to think on both the the, the kind of immediate level and also not lose sight of of the larger goal um, and that's where these questions like really how do you do right by Ukiah um, listening to the Mendo Latino um, interview today I mean that, that is something we really do need to pay attention to um, and I said today it's because I listened to it on YouTube today it was on Monday um, what else did I learn in this process I mean it just it, it was really interesting learning about the the Brown Act and um, actually being the one that was supposed to follow Robert's rules was a great education for me. Um, I don't know if anybody followed the last meeting, but I, I kind of got stuck in the corner trying to figure out what to do um, because I really wanted to fully hear um, Commissioner Paulson's um, interest in kind of revisiting Ukiah one more time. And yet there was a motion on the table, and I was like, "Ah, oh, what do I? <laughs> Somebody help me! <laughs> yeah. You toss me a rope here." It can um, be it, it, it can be very useful when you want something done, but it can also be very prohibitive when you want to do something else. <laughs> I've, uh-huh. I've been on both sides of Robert Rules, and, and you you, you, you kind of moved down the meeting, and then you forgot to talk about something, and then you're yeah. you're you know sort of stuck talking about something in the wrong um, section. But yeah, um, so yeah, I guess those are the few things I learned. But I also you know reading all these letters. Um, I wish I, you know, didn't have so many cows to be watching over so I could just go on some road trips up, up into those, the hinterlands of Mendocino. Um, well, what, you I've, know- I've done that all over, all over the first, because I've worked on our, our, um, our pre-planning for possible fires within my district. So I really know our 
area well. You got to know the rest of this county. Yeah. What One of the things that popped up for me, and because you say you stay local, so yes, I do local programming. I very, very rarely, except when I got on the air a year before last, very rarely do I go outside of Mendocino County politics or state politics, let alone national politics. But since we keep at the national level, we keep talking about gerrymandering and looking at all these like you were talking about uh, districts that look like salamanders and wrap around. I mean, some of these districts uh, in these some of these states are just appalling. I don't even know how they can be legal under the under the restraints that you have to or we have to do for Mendocino County. I truly don't understand how this odd gerrymandering goes on. But that's what it raised for me about how. I do not understand now how they do the gerrymandering that they do. Did did that did that show up in your brain thinking about all this and being involved in it and seeing it right you know firsthand? Oh, oh, definitely. Because <laughs> I think that you know when I was early on trying to do some research, that's really all you can find. Yeah. Um, how to sort of redistrict with a bioregional approach? Um, I'm a big Kirkpatrick Sale reader from you know years ago, and I I sort of philosophically was coming to it with that approach. And there's 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 very little um, information on how to sort of integrate bioregionalism into our particular form of governance, um, but there is a lot on on mostly negative critiques of the gerrymandering process. Um, uh, the big sort. I don't know if you've read the big sort. No, it's a great no. great book on 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 all that. But also the way we sort of gerrymander ourselves to a certain uh. extent. That um you know people will drive down a street and if they see um you know, certain sort of cultural indicators of political affiliation, they're more likely to buy a house on that street. Oh, really? Um, huh. Interesting. Um, Bill Bishop, the big sort. But, um, I mean, in certain, there, we, there's also these different criteria that we don't pay attention to because of our county's rules or our state's rules. I am actually, I could be wrong about this, but we were not looking to keep that, um, uh, there was a politically competitive was one way that um, that certain redistricting commissions are supposed to operate is to try to keep it politically com- competitive, in which case you are looking at party affiliation and trying to somehow make it politically competitive, which I find quite odd um, and can't imagine how that could go well. Um, I thought but that, that case, must be at the state level, because I know the gal from the county, the legal one, legal person from the county kept saying you cannot consider uh, uh, political demographics. She kept saying that in the then, meetings. But then so. she also said that political competitiveness is a criteria in other places and not ours. Not ours. Okay, so that must be a state thing. Ah, okay. Um, in our case, you know, one, one thing I was thinking about is the role of consultants, for example. Um I mean, even if I was some sleeper cell trying to politically gerrymander this, I wouldn't even know what to do unless I had access to a GIS map with um, voter data to help me do it. Um, So purely from the limited information dynamics that we had as a commission um, kind of was possibly a better hedge against that possibility than a bunch of rules. So I don't I don't know how you would pull that off, but um, we really there was that never it was never um, you know Charlotte never had to interject and say hey you guys just a reminder you know you're not allowed to be political from a, yeah. from, a, from a from a from a party political I mean there there's a certain dynamic where 
there's there's politics inevitably. I mean, our, our, it is political, but it, it's not party political. Yeah. So let me clarify because I that was one of the things I heard you the with the division up between the third and the fourth and the North County, the tribe was not separated, right? The, the tribe, tribe was not tribal even, land. The, the tribe was not even close to separated. Good. Okay. That was right. Leaf's first map, just playing with the numbers, trying okay. to figure out what it would look like to keep Laytonville in the third. He did that by taking much of the rest of the population that wasn't Laytonville and moving into the fourth. Ah. Okay. And and then then that that's was sort of the next step in the iterative process that brought us to draft map twelve. All right. Um, we have just a short time left, but if anybody has a burning question or comment, you I'm going to open up the lines, 895, well, I guess you got to go 707 now, 895-2448. I haven't actually, I have a cell phone, so I have it plugged in with that number anyway. Um, if you have a burning question or comment, we'd be willing to take that. Otherwise, um, Kyle and I are just going to keep talking about the process. So now the process is... The, the process has been Zoom. You guys, one of the comments that was made I found fascinating was that this committee, these people that you've been dealing with and working with closely for the last two months, well, since September, you've never even seen them in person, right? I, I knew Leaf coming into this um, right. from the Inland Mendocino Land Trust for right. the directors, but the, I, I, I met Charlotte uh, trick-or-treating. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's funny awesome. too because That's I think awesome. that I, on some level, perceive people I see through a screen as famous. Um, <laughs> on a sort of, so I was sort of, you know excited I was like, oh can i get your autograph well that's what i was saying you i had i'd seen you on <laughs> i had seen you on the stream i knew who you were that from that but i didn't actually know how to get in contact with you until i was mm-hmm. at the sun house and happened to see you in a picture going oh i know that guy uh-huh. i've been watching him well, on zoom <laughs> yeah it's Gar- kind of Gar- gary snyder says that everybody's goal should be to be famous within 15 miles so. Oh, I'm all for it. I'd stay local as yeah. much as I can. So the process now is the supervisors have it. You're 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 done now. Technically, I'm done. You're oh, yeah. done. Okay. So the committee, I I didn't hear them disband the committee. I don't know if they officially have to disband it. So I think they would have to, so that I've, we can get together without violating uh, the Brown Act, right? So I see. <laughs> Otherwise, I did, we can I never did, hang out. I actually say I didn't know that the Brown Act trickled down to committee work. I did not know that. That's a that's a new one that I'm going to have to go back and research. So basically, folks, the board of supervisors are having a special board meeting on the 18th coming up. All right, where they're going to af- approve the final map, which is the one that Leaf was told to generate yesterday. This will be map 12 that does that little um, that little uh, sweep to the west above Hopland to bring that into the first district. Then on the 7th of uh, December. That was when they will introduce the Board of Supervisors. This is at their regular meeting. They will introduce the ordinance map into the record, and then they have to wait a week, technically, legally, so that on the 14th they will adopt the map. That's that's the uh, that's what I have here for the next what's going on for the procedure. Um, but the committee now is done with the work, did a great job. Um, any other things you, you experienced and learned? I bet you got to learn a lot about the county as a whole. I did. Um, yeah, I did. And I, I, I do want to mention, you know, listening to the, to the interview that was on Mendo Latino on, on Monday, um, you know, that is, that is something for us to really be thinking about as a county. Um, 
I did translate a, an op-ed um, that, uh, that um, um, Paula Cohen had written. And um, I don't know how many people did see that, but that, you know, I, I am only now kind of understanding the process well enough to be interviewed on the radio. And um, I think that is something that if things had gone a little slower, I would have been able to understand it well enough to feel comfortable articulating it without having, you know, Charlotte having to correct me everything I said. So uh. um, that is something I, I do. I do hope that, um, you know, Juan Orozco is at one of our meetings and really helped us on, on, on that sort of outreach side of things. Um, but um, I'm, I'm personally listening to that today. I'm going to write him an email and, and say I could, I could translate from Spanish to English simultaneously. I, I used to do that professionally. I can't really do it the other way around well enough to uh, do service to some of the nuanced language. Um, but I, I, I want to be thinking about how we can do a better job on that, on that front. Um, and one other thing that I thought was pretty fun that I, that I kind of geeked out on a little bit was um, Ted Williams in the first meeting um, said, isn't there sort of an algorithm that would just do this for us? Um, it turns out that's how they do it in Mexico. Really? Um, since like 1990 something, they've been they've been running an algorithm, which I find I find that whole strain of thought really fascinating because there is a perception that that's apolitical, and yet then the algorithm itself becomes politicized, um, and so there's a whole interesting literature you can dive into a little bit of the different proponents of different algorithms. One of which is based on beehive dynamics. Um, that that then that then do the redistricting for you, and I, I do think that 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 sort of pseudo apolitical dynamics that are going to continue to be um, an option to let to let the computers decide for us is a really fascinating new frontier in in sort of political philosophy. Yeah, I don't know. If fascinating is the word I would use, but um, but you know, you, know. you talk about gerrymandering. Yeah, right. That's true. I mean, it, it may be the step to get away from gerrymandering, but I like the, you know, I've always liked the water drain, the water drainage, or the though that kind of the drainage idea. But you just can't do it when you have such a um, scattered population like we have. You mm -hmm. know, we have. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you look at the numbers; they're not they're like district draft map three was not absolutely terrible, you know. I do, I do think that with, with um, it, it's still worth holding on to that. Not that you, that you break the law to achieve it, but it's still worth holding on to as sort of a guide. And the draft map three, the draft map three you're talking about is one by watersheds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and drainages, yeah. And it's also, I do think in, in another, I mentioned it in one of the meetings, you know, if you live up Bell Springs, like it's not like you're no longer. If if this is the map that gets selected, that you're no longer allowed to attend a Laytonville, you know, community meeting. So these are not. These maps are by no means, you know. This is there's there's there like there's so much more to politics than there is so much more to politics as you as you're becoming well aware of in Mendocino County. I know you've only been here eight years, and you're gonna, there's going to be a lot more of it coming up. And that is true, like you said, with having um, the Ukiah Valley area having three different districts there. Um, if if people up in Bell Springs and uh, Spy Rock and all that area, if they go to the Laytonville meetings, they'll have you know voice in two districts in a way. 
So mm-hmm. that that's an interesting and they concept. Can, they that's can a very take that to their fourth district supervisor. Right, exactly. That's a very interesting concept of giving them more access and stuff. So, Kyle, I got to get out of here. Kyle Farmer, thanks so much for coming on the air, and thank you. I can't. I appreciate so much the quality of the, your meetings that you did. They were open. They were great, and you did a wonderful job. And uh, keep your foot in the politics of the county, please. Thanks for coming well, on the air. I can't wait to meet you in person. Me too. Have I'll a great day, soon. Kyle. All right. Bye. All right, folks. I'm out of here. Stay tuned. If you want to stream this, you can go back on our website and stream it, or you can um, do a podcast. Have a great day. Stay safe. And I am out of here. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.